0: The Order of Exodus was established back in 1982 and uh, like a million years ago. The Sacred Order of St. Michael the Archangel was uh, that which founded back in the early 70s and uh, it's an old Roman Catholic order which we practice the uh, traditional faith. We are traditional Catholics. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this ministry which is international and it's Order of Exorcists. We have members who are clergy and uh, and laity in 24 countries and in about 18 states. And I just published our international uh, referral directory, linked to our website, and there are uh, people that are interested in participating and offering their service as either uh, clergy exorcist, or a group of investigators, which would which they would do the assessments for the clergy, mm-hmm. and these individuals are in uh, various countries and various cities right now. The listing I think is in about maybe five countries, possibly six, and um, and but we have members right now. I have about a hundred and about hundred and five participants listed. IN OUR INTERNATIONAL DIRECTORY. SO THIS IS WHERE IF A PERSON NEEDS TO GET SOME TYPE OF uh, ASSISTANCE IN REGARDS TO ANY TYPE OF DEMONIC ISSUES, um, THEY WOULD IN ESSENCE GO TO OUR DIRECTORY AND THEY COULD LOOK FOR SOMEONE IN THEIR CITY AND STATE COUNTRY AND CONTACT THEM DIRECTLY. AND EACH PERSON IN THE DIRECTORY ARE, THEY ARE autonomous AND INDEPENDENT FROM ONE ANOTHER. So. As a result, the local bishop of that jurisdiction would be in charge uh, in terms of assigning a case that would go to one of their assessment teams. And then at that point, based on the findings and the evidence that's submitted, the bishop can make determination as to whether or not it should be pursued in regards to a an actual ritual of exorcism, or if it should just simply be um, – basically refer to another service, um, a mental health agency or something of that nature. So uh, that's basically what we do and we're all about. We've come a long way. (laughs) So it's like uh, 40 years plus in the making.
1: Is there any requirements that someone would have to have to be an investigator? Is there any um, background that they have to have specifically or could anyone really do that? you're basically investigating the the case to make sure the person doesn't have any existing mental issues right that that is is that correct
0: yeah you know there's so many there's so many type of uh, scenarios that can actually uh, take place in regards to how we could classify it if it's uh if it's a true demonic um Event going on. Then we have to classify as to what type of event is actually going on. Is it a demonic infestation? Um, perhaps maybe these people who are um, who are asking for help. Maybe they're under demonic oppression, or perhaps even demonic possession. And if that happens, of course, you know it's quite serious. The investigators they are trained in investigating. Majority of them start off as paranormal investigators. They pretty much know how to collect information, um, record what they're seeing. And and then, of course, based on the interpretation of the clergy uh, or the, the, the heads of, of, of the various teams, they would make the interpretation. In most cases, the uh, it's a clergy member who is a bishop mm-hmm. and who would uh, review the information, review the assessment report. Um, And this would include uh, if it's a – if it's the case of demonic possession, then we would require a uh, documentation in the area of psychological profiles and um, also a physical – for physical health uh, examinations required. And then at that point, um, those are reviewed. We have three psychiatrists who are – who are actually members in our organization. And they would actually uh, review the psych exams, and they would give us their opinion as to whether or not it's a true psychosis or something they can't explain. Mm -hmm. Along with that, um, we would review the information that's submitted by our investigators. This would be an assessment report. That information would consist of videotaping of first contact interviews. We perform a contact interview based on a procedure that I created back in 1982. It's a procedure for um, uh, there w- where a person can make an assessment as to whether or not something is actually going on. Uh, if it's a, a true demonic involvement, then we should be able to get some type of evidence that would lean in that direction. And if that be the case, then we would collect that information and then that information is submitted to whoever the bishop is in that jurisdiction. That bishop would make the assessment based on what he sees in regards to evidence and any psychological reports. If it's a demonic um, possession, of course, we go to the psychiatrist. Psychiatrists would make his notations and his recommendations, and that and he would submit that back to the bishop. The bishop would look at all the other evidence in terms of what was filmed, what was taped. And look for um, a uh, any form of physical manifestations that would take place that would be totally unexplainable, things that would happen within the immediate environment of the of the uh, person who uh, is either the subject matter or within their immediate environment. If it's a if it's a demonic infestation, of course. Um, things should be uh, pretty visible in terms of what's happening around the individual, uh, in the person, in the home, or wherever the location is. Um, And that could cover a whole lot of interesting things that we can get into, like, at a later time. But but I will tell you this is that um, we don't act on impulse. We act on uh, evidence. We have to – the investigators, they have to prove to us that what is going on is actually real, and they have to attest by, by actually making their, their first contact investigation, interview, and then uh, do a walkabout around the property of the house, make sure that, you know, what is actually happening that may appear to be a supernatural nature is truly is, or it could be maybe a natural phenomenon that could take place. Um, if that be the case, you know, we look at the house, we look at the construction of the house, We look at all the other areas which would explain as to what is actually happening. Um, And if we can't explain it, and if we do see something that does suggest some form of manifestation of some type of demonic activity, well, then again, we take a second look, and then we start really – conducting what we normally do. The whole process can take anywhere from, again, depending as to how many people are involved and in regards to how many people that, um, that have to submit their reports to us. This would be, of course, regarding the psychiatrist, the psychologist, or any uh, mental health caseworkers that may want to contribute in terms of mental uh, psychological evaluations, their interpretations, and so on. Um, This would also include medical examinations, which would be conducted by a medical physician, an MD, and he would um, tell us if if there's anything that's abnormal in terms of of any form of disease that may perhaps create or mimic, at least in the mind of the individual, um, some form of demonic symbolism, demonic uh, nature. And and so, as a result, um, all these things have to be reviewed, and and it's a long timing process. If we're waiting for – because, you know, the psychiatrists and psychologists, uh, they're consultants and they're volunteers, and these are individuals who are willing to think outside the box, and they are willing to look at the evidence and give their honest opinion uh, in regards to the assessment of the individual. if the individual um, has other things that are going on other than uh, what we feel would be of a supernatural um, episode, that some type of psychosis, the, uh, the, the consultants who were trained would tell us and give us uh, suggestions as to whether it should be um, a referral to some form of mental um, mental counseling facility or agency. Or if it's genuine, and if we should go ahead, and perhaps after reviewing the other information, um, to go ahead and actually perform a ritual of exorcism. If exorcism is actually performed before it's, it, and if it's not necessary, if the person has a psychosis, it could drive them further into hmm. their mental state, and they could—it could be terrible. It, you know, it could lead them to suicide. So, you know, you don't want to feed someone's psychosis by suggesting that what they believe to be so is actually true mm-hmm. uh, because you're not helping the individual. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there are a lot of organizations and people who say they are exorcists and they would go out and they would actually perform an exorcism. They would do this on the drop of a hat without any examination, without any evaluation, without actually doing an assessment. And to those people, I say, oh, my gosh, I hope uh, – I hope you know what you're doing because uh, instead of helping you, you're just feeding into something that could be horrible. Hmm. A person that goes through these types of events, they are, this is like the lowest point of, of their life. Physically, mentally, physically, um, all the individuals that are involved, all the family members are also affected. And um, as a result, this is a very serious situation. And the individuals that are seeking help we don't go out looking for them. They come looking for us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So in other words, they would visit our websites. They would visit our, you know, various blogs. They would, you know, visit our organization and our members, and uh, and then they would seek and ask for help, making a request for some form of assessment uh, in regards to their demonic issues. I'm sorry. I don't mean to get <laughs> carried away. But no, no, no. You know, this no, is no, uh, no. this is like a really. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's
1: very informative. I, I guess uh, my next question would be, because it, it sounds like you go through a very <laughs> thorough um, checklist of, of, of things that, that, that you have to, to make sure that they're not before you conduct an exorcism to make sure the person is uh, not you know, suffering for, from some other psychosis. But what percentage uh, would you say of cases that come across uh, your organization are actually possessions? If you're weeding out all these other things,
0: demonic possession is very, very rare. In fact, it's so rare I would say perhaps maybe one out of two, three thousand cases. Wow. The majority of the time, it's either someone who is uh, experiencing some type of um, illusion that's brought on by some form of psychosis, or it's a person who just seeks wants attention and seeking attention. And if that be the case, you know, then obviously we have to rule that out as well. Um, but the uh, demonic possession is very rare. What's more common would be demonic infestation, This is where things happen within the house, where things are moving, where voices are heard, where things are breaking when nothing is actually breaking, <laughs> where things are, are – bizarre things are happening. And and as a result, and there's no there's no real reason as to why these things should be taking place. So that's really uh, a demonic infestation is is where the darkness, the demonic, if you will, will have free roam of the house, where they will make their presence known by doing bizarre things, by um, by, by sounds, making sounds, by Banging sounds, um, by tormenting animals, mm. cats, by um, making the walls bleed, literally, making objects levitate, making objects uh, thrown from one end of the room to the other, constant whispering, whispering from Three sounds where, where no winds present. Um, it's to a point where anything and everything could possibly happen within that space, within the space of an infestation home of where the demonic will roam. It's, uh, it could be very frightening, especially if you don't quite understand what's going on.
1: So this is, I'm assuming, also where the paranormal investigator background might come into play. And I mean, are they are they um, documenting this? or are there documented cases? Is there video that we have? They um, have this?
0: to they have to document everything from beginning to end. The investigator has to be willing to go through some form of training in regards <laughs> to the process, which I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um. In essence, it's a, a questionnaire of uh, about 500 questions divided right in three sections, um, mental health, the physical health, and the manifestations that are taking place in the house. So um, after the individual is interviewed, um, then based on what the victim says, we based our first assessment on that. Uh, the investigators would be trained to actually perform and conduct and, and read the questions, and and then of course you have the technical support. You have people operating cameras that have to be uh, on point. They have to record not only the victim but their media surrounding area, and um, and document everything. Hmm. So you know we we are looking for people who are um, who who fall in that category who who have experience collecting evidence, who who are open minded, of course. And people who are willing to um, present themselves um, in a uh, in a professional manner, who can interact with uh, with people with compassion, um, and then of course the m- most important thing is to understand that everything they see um, can also mimic something else other than what they might be led to believe. And this is where it really gets really interesting. That's why we have our bishops and uh, priests that will actually review the information and they will make the assessment. If it's a priest, the the priest will make the assessment and run it by their bishop. And then the bishop may be the final word in regards to whether or not a ritual is actually going to be performed. And um, that's basically it.
1: And this information is classified. Is it? Is it? Uh, it's not publicly. I mean, do you sign like a waiver no. or anything like that? No,
0: no. Because as I mentioned earlier, this is the lowest point of an individual's life. They have been okay. Um, humiliated. Uh, they have been torn um, apart, inside and out. They they look they look like they're at the at the edge of, of of the very beginning of stages of death, um, it's embarrassing some of the things that may that they may do and they may not want public. As a result, everything uh, that goes on behind the doors of these rituals have to be confidential and um, the individuals are expecting the confidentiality to be carried through. In fact, everyone signs a disclosure agreement to that effect. Because Let's face it. You know, you wouldn't want your most embarrassing moments aired or viewed, and then you know, it would be it would be terrifying to them and, and horrifying for everyone else.
1: Sure, I understand. If there was anyone listening who was like, "I don't believe that these events transpire," was there is there something that you could refer them to, or or some information that that you know that might. Um, illustrate whether it be a video or a photograph or something of, of documentation of, of these events.
0: There's two, there's two trains of thought. Okay. Um, You're either going to believe what's being said or you're not. Um, In my particular um, role is I'm not here to confirm or to um, prove anything. I'm not here to convert anyone's inner belief system. That has to be left upon their own conscious and their own inner experiences. Uh, Majority of the people that come into uh, even this field, um, they're a little skeptic until it actually touches their life. And when it does, well then they become the most strongest converts you will ever see. Uh, Because once you know it's true, then it's true. Um, I could could tell you um, if we were back, let's say uh, a thousand years ago, and uh, we went in this time machine, and, and it took us back a thousand years. And I met you, and I told you, you know, that one day we are going to have a device that we could actually talk and we could actually see the person on the other side of the world. And this thing is going to be like worldwide, it's going to be international. And just with the, the tap of a couple of keys, it's actually going to become part of your reality, and you're going to understand it and accept it. And as a result, it's going to be mind-blowing. I told you that a 1,000 years ago. You'd look at me and you'd say, man, you got to be out of your rocker. I mean, that's <laughs> impossible. That'll never happen. Or even as far as like 500 years ago, when it came to um, to landing on the moon. Mm-hmm. I told you 500 years ago, we're going to land on the moon one day. No way. I mean, come on. Really? I mean, well, what about, you know, international flight? Is that getting possible? What about the device we wear around our, our wrists and we're able to actually talk into it? And the person who has the same type of device or a similar device can hear you mm-hmm. and you could actually text messages. <laughs> Incredible. Yet all this is all part of reality. It's mm-hmm. part of our reality. Why? Because we've lived through it, we've experienced it, we've experienced the internet, we've experienced our technology. We may not understand how it fully works, but we do accept it for what it is. I mean, it's part of our reality. In fact, a lot of us rely on that form of technology to conduct business, to to even communicate with our loved ones around the world. Mm -hmm. So this might be something that not everyone's going to believe. And at this point, my information that I give you or anyone who hears this information, it's not to convert their way of thinking it's just simply put out there, and if you want to receive it with an open mind, then good for you. Or you can just simply wait until something horrible, something dark, will touch your life. And you know what? I believe sometime in your life, someone is going to feel – everyone feels a, a bit of darkness, okay? Sure. And uh, and when it happens, then you know perhaps maybe their, their whole train of thought will actually be transformed to the point where – Approach well, maybe these things are possible, hmm. you know. And if so, maybe we should see help from someone who is, uh, you know, more vested, more uh, has a more in-depth knowledge. I've been doing this for over forty years. That's a long time. I mean, before you were born. <laughs> I can tell you, I've 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 known people in just about every walk of life. I've trained, literally, whether anyone believes it or not. I've trained over well over a thousand priests and bishops in my method of um, the process, where you could actually make an assessment and find out whether or not the individual is suffering from some, some form of psychosis, or it, whether or not it's a genuine case of some type of demonic involvement. I can tell you right up front and 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 point blank, I am witness that <laughs> all these things are true: mm. the levitations of bodies of literally levitating from the air true um there are forces in in our world that are totally unexplainable there are things that we just simply cannot prove or disprove um you know a a good example in fact i had a conversation the other day um about this about things that um that take just a little bit of faith to actually believe that it's it's probably possible and that would be um one publication that came out a long time ago and to this day it's a bestseller. i mean it's the number one seller and yet no one in our lifetime or recent lifetimes uh can attest to the fact that these things actually took place and those would be the stories that you read in the bible the bible has been around for a long time and as a result you have billions and that's where to be billions of people that believe Everything in these books called the Bible. There's 66 books in the Bible, and each book tells a story, has a narrative. And then, you know, the big question is well, do you believe or, or not? Well, you see, it, your belief system doesn't really, really, truly come from the scriptures. It comes from your inner self, your inner awareness. And your inner awareness will either turn yourself, you, you, you'll turn all your, 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 um, your lights will be on and and and, sh- and absorb this material and believe it or not so the same thing with the paranormal you know there's a reason why it's called the paranormal <laughs> i mean not everyone believes it mm-hmm. you know not everyone believes in spirits mm-hmm. not everyone believes in you know the afterlife or angels or demons or devils but they all do exist so and,
1: i'm sorry
0: yes yeah. oh um,
1: Archangel Michael, uh, he's important because he led God's armies against Satan in the Book of Revelation, right? And that's right. his, um, and and that's ultimately what your group is trying to do in some degree is to to fight the 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 forces of evil and 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 sort of uh, cast them out cast them out of this world more or less. Is that accurate to say?
0: Well, well, um, I'll say what we do is we're basically used. We allow ourselves to be used as in truth. The uh, driving out of, of demons or so on, we have no power in doing that. The power actually comes from God. So God transmits through Christ Jesus the, the ability to do these things. And based on the level of faith of the priest, bishop, or person performing these rituals, um, based on their belief, these things actually will take place and they – feeling that will actually take place before anyone's eyes, because it's all about um, your belief system and, and how committed you are and how committed you are in terms of allowing yourself to use as an instrument. So that's basically what we do. Um, in regards to, you know, the demons of the world, okay? And Lucifer himself was, uh, he was uh, one heck of a very, uh, number one, beloved angel of God, Mm -hmm. the very, very beginning. And um, he was described as being beautiful, the angel of light. He was just incredible. I mean, God loved him dearly, till as the story, Lucifer became very um, self-interested, self-involved, wanted to become um, as God, if not more powerful. And at that point, God not only um, cast him out of heaven, but um, there were at least one-third of the angels he took with him. And these fallen angels are referred to as demons. And uh, they are here, they've been roaming the Earth for the past couple of thousand years, and they do all kinds of horrible things. Actually, uh, let me correct myself, I would say they've been around since the time of Adam and Eve. The demons are all around us, they they coexist in our realm of existence. Um, However, they're not in our realm of awareness. Okay, we have a tendencies of, of existing and living our lives and with blinders on, you know, we just don't see what's actually happening within our immediate space. Um, those of us that have that ability to actually see, you know, between the lines and, and actually see what's really taking place, they can see that there's a very real force, good versus evil. And the two have to coexist in order for anything to exist there has to be good, and there has to be evil. They both have to coexist. We like to think that we are on the side, of course, of good, and of light. And so as a result, we make ourselves available as instruments um, for God to weed out the uh, all the evil and horrible things in the world. And that's what we're all about.
1: How did you get into this? Or to, to this,
0: and I, I had a my very first supernatural um, that took place in my life when I was about uh, 11 years old, and mm-hmm. and I could remember as if it was yesterday. I was in the bathroom and I was actually taking a shower, and a bright light blast right through the window, and it was almost in fact it was blind. It was very blinding, and to say the least, um, and I had a vision. And the vision was uh, me, much older, Roman collar, clergy Mm caller. And I was in the role of of actually being a priest, and the role of a priest, not an exorcist, but a priest. Uh, And then years later, I I became very much involved in the church, and I knew this was a calling, this was a divine calling. Exorcist, you have to have a calling. It has to be a divine calling. That was my divine calling. My divine calling led me to the point where I received holy orders, came into the priesthood, um, ordained as a priest, and I was elevated uh, to bishop elect, and then from there to bishop, and then from bishop to archbishop. And throughout the whole period, uh, an exorcist, priest, would have to go through a form of training, on-the-job training, actually. You're either assisting um, a bishop who is an exorcist, or you're a supporting priest that's there as a second. And that the second would be reading the responses from, from the ritual and, uh, and assisting the exorcist, which would be the priest. In most cases, it's a bishop. Um, and as a result, um, it's a learning curve that uh, can take place anywhere from two to four years. Um, some people, it takes six years. It just depends on the development of the individual who is actually receiving the training to become an exorcist. In my case, it's like uh, four years. Um, and after the fourth year, um, I was appointed. And this uh, is an appointment that happens within the church. Uh, that is, your bishops have to basically um, elect you to that. Particular position where you're actually appointed as an emphasis for that particular jurisdiction. And so at that point, once you're appointed, then you would be the person that would be going out, uh, and uh, this is after an investigation assessment has been formed, you'd be going out if ritual has to be done, or if there's a house blessing or anything in in that nature. So as a result, you would be the assigned person going out, and of course, when you go out, you take your team with you, and those would be the laity. Mm-hmm. um and so they would go out as support. and if you're going out as a, to perform an exorcism, of course you'd have it's nice to have an assistant another priest that would assist you in reading um, um, reading the response from the ritual. Then at that point um each bishop that has a, uh, a ministry of exorcism, as uh, within their jurisdiction, it's up to them to appoint someone to be an exorcist. And that person has to go through the training. This is not learned in, uh, in any seminary. This is beyond seminary training. Okay, so this is actually after you're a priest. Then you can receive training and then you're appointed to So that's basically how, as for me, I learned very early, um, you know, my first exorcism ritual, uh, solo, it was like 1981, uh, 1981 in that area. Um, and, uh,
1: What was that like?
0: Horrible. Horrifying.
1: Yeah. Were you, were you afraid? What were you feeling? What were you feeling? I mean,
0: Okay. Well, my, my, bodily function at that particular time um when i first saw something that was uh, uh very shocking and, and and down to my core i urinated so how was it like well let's see i was standing there with wet pants <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah I
0: mean, uh, so uh yeah so that's it, you know it comes to uh even though you're you you are exposed to this type of of Scenario, um, it still takes you back. And when you're the only priest that's on point and you're performing the actual uh, the ritual itself, um, then it it even comes more. It, it, it hits you more, like hits you between the eyes and say, "Wow, okay, here we go." And uh, you never know what's going to happen until it actually happens. Um, it's you- that serious.
1: Could you describe what that scene was like in your in your memory, or of what it was? I mean, what was the what did the person look like? What was the what was happening?
0: I can tell you the story if you like.
1: Yeah, that'd be yeah. that'd be great.
0: Yeah, I don't know how much time we have.
1: Yeah, we'll go until you know. All okay. right, you, you have to go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, okay. Um, I was a priest uh-huh. and uh, was not appointed an exorcist. I was just simply a priest who would assist the exorcist, in most cases it was my bishops. Uh, I had three bishops that I've learned under uh, in regards to this training. Um, I'm sitting in Los Angeles, in a parish in Los Angeles, and uh, we received a phone call. Phone call was Long Beach, it was the diocese of Long Beach, and they were requesting uh, if we had a, an, a, priest who was available to do a housework and i was sitting in the office i was me and two other priests and we were just sitting kind of talking and and relaxing and so i said you know i'm not doing anything i'll go what the heck you know and understand i'm not an exorcist okay i'm just a priest mm-hmm. they said i'll go you know i've assisted for almost four years at this point so it was uh you know i, I pretty much knew what would go on but i wasn't expecting to do a ritual i was expecting to do a housework. Mm-hmm. So I picked up my things, you know, and I told the secretary, who was uh, probably from the uh, Long Beach Diocese, that I would be there, uh, that I, you know, just give me what you did. Um, And it's so funny, it's like, just like every horror movie, you know, it was raining that. And it was, of course, early evening, and it was like, rain was just coming down like crazy. And it was like, it's like your typical horror movie, right? (laughs) Um, I grabbed my stuff. I, I jumped in my car and I, I drove down. Uh, and it would, it took me to uh, the address. Took me to a place in Skid Row in Los Angeles. And it was uh, there's an apartment. It was kind of like a really old, run down apartment building. Mm-hmm. Like over 200 units. I um, as I approached the address, you know, and as I parked my car, I started walking towards the front of the apartment complex. And there was a lot of people. I mean, they were like. I don't know, maybe 50 people at least. And they're just gathering around, you know, drinking booze and just, you know, and so I just, you know, saw all those people standing in front of the building. So I, but I just kind of like pushed my way through the crowd. As I did, one old guy just jumped out and said, Hey, priest, what are you doing in the neighborhood? You don't even belong here, you know, and totally ignored the guy and I just kept going, you know, and, um, and as I entered, the the building I, I I just opened the door and I just looked over my shoulder for some reason and all those 50 people were no longer there uh, there was nobody there I mean it was like That's weird. what happened to all these people and I, I was puzzling hmm. but I, I opened the door I walked in the hallway and I saw shadows dark shadows up and down the hallway walls and uh and these walls were dinged very dingy and it was a dark dark hallway uh went to the uh, room, you could barely see the numbers because it was that dim, you know, the lights were that dim. Knocked on the door, person um, opened the door and uh, there were a lot of people in the living room. Um, these are apartments that have like about three or four rooms and um, the main gathering room would be the living room. It's the first room you walk into. And there was a lot of people in that room. Uh, a lot of them were um, crying, a lot of them were praying, a lot of them were just sitting and standing and just kind of waiting to see what would what would happen. And um, so the lady that opened the door, she yelled out and she said, the priest is here, the priest is here. And this old lady um, comes out from the back room and she's like, running, like uh, running to me and she grabs my arm and she says, we've been waiting for you all day. I said, really? and so you know i'm expecting to do a house blessing at yeah. this point i had no idea what was going to take place but she pulled me um to the room and as she opened the room of course all the lights were, were out um there was a man on the floor his shirt was uh, buttons were ripped apart you know his shirt was ripped open but on the floor and um and i found out that he was the stepfather um, and the, the lady that would drag me to the room that was the mother, and she said to me that, "Help my daughter, she's in terrible shape, and crazy things have been happening." And I'm looking around, and I'm saying, is "This isn't a house. Said, Where the heck am I? I mean, what's what is this about?" And then it occurred to me, you know, the girl, she was naked. And she was on the corner, and uh, and she just, like, looked like she was frozen. I mean, she just, like, she looked like a mannequin. You know, when you walk in the dark room, it was like this mannequin, like, sitting, or, or, or it's just, like, leaning up against the wall in the corner, in the dark mm-hmm. corner. But it was actually this girl, and she was, like, right there. And at that point, you know, I'm, like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm like, lost, you know, lost word words. Like, I didn't. Know how to respond to this, and I, I told the lady I need to um, go outside. Phone call. I need to call the church office.
1: She said,
0: "Okay." And you have to understand this is before cell phones, right? This is before the internet. You need twenty-five
1: okay? cents to make a call.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so it was like, uh I think it was. 20. Anyway, <laughs> the point is, I I, I made myself down. You know, down uh, down the hallway and outside. And I used there was a one payphone outside. Mm-hmm. So I used the payphone and I tried on Beach office. And the uh, mother lady picked up uh, another secretary, and she picked up uh, from the bishop's office and said, "Can I help you?" I said, "Yeah, and it's Father so So I I need assistance. I I was sent here at this address, and I was expecting to do a house blessing. This is not a house blessing." <laughs> I mean, and I'm saying, you know, there are so many things happening. I say, what what needs to be done here is the, is an actual evaluation, uh, a real quick assessment, and uh, perhaps even a full-blown um, uh, case in regards to demonic possession, because you know, we're going to need an exorcism. And I'm not an exorcist. I've been training, you know, for several years to be one, but I'm not you know, I'm not ready for that, to, be a, to do it solo. You know, I've always did a she said, well, you know what? You're going to have to do your best because nobody's here in the office. And the, wow. bishop had, the bishop's the bishop been out of town, you know, for the past week now. So you're going to have to go down there and uh, you're just going to do your best. And I'm going, what? You know, really? Okay. Well, uh, so I, you know, looked in my, in, in my little uh, case and it have all the things that I really, that I could use for an exorcism. I said, okay, fine. I went back into the building um and they opened the door and went into the it uh, trying to recruit at least three or four men because I was going to need them to hold her down
1: yeah
0: uh, typically when you perform this type of ritual um and if it's a, a truly of a demonic nature the personality of the demon will actually surface and can be very violent to a point where people can get hurt and the eyes can be Pulled and gouged out, or fingers could be bitten, or all kinds of crazy, hideous things have happened in the past. Hmm. And so, um, so you know, you'd like to have at least three people that you not know that can hold them, the victim. So I picked uh, some of the people that were in the uh, in the living room. As I said, well, the living room was full of people. Most of them were neighbors because they heard this noise going on for the past three days. You know, because she was. Banging on the walls, things were being thrown in the room, and so all the neighbors were in the living room. So I was able to recruit uh, four people, and they were like, you know, they were young young men. They were like in the 20s, maybe. And they were muscular, you know, they were in good shape, so they were able to, uh, they were fearless, so they were able to walk with me and, and help me get the girl on the bed um because she was on the floor and uh, the mother ran and she got up some clothes like a nightgown or something and she put on her daughter and at this point you know she was very passive she wasn't aggressive she wasn't uh very you uh, know she wasn't violent at that point um so after that you know I started the ritual I told them to hold the hands and the legs of the of this, of this girl I started the ritual um, and I asked one of the individuals to read the response I said good. would so I went through the ritual and started going really um, like she woke up from a hmm. she was no longer a she it was a goblin voice and the voice was identifying all the individuals that were in the room and put full attention on um, one individual who was holding her, one of her arms. And um, let's just call him Jose. And so she said, uh, Jose, I know all about you. I know the double life you've been living. I know exactly what you've been doing um, with your business partner and your wife knows nothing about it. And... Um, are you still there?
1: Yeah, I'm here. I'm listening. Okay, I'm, I'm too. I just got a. I just got a
0: flag across my my screen. It says I lost the uh, internet uh, connection, but you can still hear. Me.
1: I I could hear you well. Can you hear me?
0: I could hear you perfect. Okay. okay yeah, I'll, I'm here. I'll continue. I'll continue. Um, she said, "I know who you are, Jose. I know everything about you." And she started revealing his his you know all his dirty secrets. Mm. And he got so scared, he just ran out of the room. Grown man. He ran out of the room and probably ran right out of the building. He was probably scared, and he was just a visiting neighbor. Yeah, so you know, nobody really you know, knew, but he knew everything about it. At that point, you know, I short here, so I I had to like I'd try to work through that. If I could. the mother was in the room along with the stepfather, the mother at that point she grabbed her chest, she fell on the floor, and I stopped everything okay and uh, at that point the victim the girl she kind of like went into a deep slump you know she she was not responsive at that point um the mother was on the floor and i i helped her along with uh, a couple of other guys we helped her off the floor and i told them, uh, we need to go outside and uh 911 and um one of the guys went on 911 and the ambulance showed up and they mother and uh, out. At that point, you know, I went back into the room, we were going to continue. Uh, of course, later on, we found out that the mother died oh, on the way God. to the hospital. She had a heart attack.
1: Jeez, Wow.
0: So she She um, wound up in a uh, general hospital, the county hospital, in downtown Los Angeles. And we're uh, getting this for <laughs> arrivals. She passed away. Oh, my God. Um, so anyway, but I didn't know it at the time, you know, when it happened. Yeah. going through the ritual again, for the, uh, trying, to basically up, uh, trying to finish up, trying to finish. We went on for about eight hours, and then we're totally exhausted. To break. Went on for another eight hours, eight, ten hours a break. We were there for four days. Uh, at the end of four days, we were able to... Um, we were able to uh, finally get this demonic personality out, driven out of this poor girl's body. Um, her whole demeanor changed. When I first saw her, she was had a grayish tone in color. She had wrinkles. She looked like she was an old lady, and in reality, she was only like twenty-two years old. So, as soon as the uh, as soon as the demon was driven out, her whole physical transformation took place. And she, she was able to, her, her regular skin tone uh, came back. Uh, she was, uh, eyes were wide open, she was uh, back to herself. And, um, and she was very happy and she was very hungry too at that point. Um, and it was really, it was a very joyful moment after, after like four days. Uh, and then, you know, of course we found out about her mother father was all, he was really, I think his stepfather was an alcoholic, so he went back to his drinking. And, anyway, it was, a, it was an interesting scenario. Now, that happened a long time ago. It happened, I've, I'm guessing now, maybe 1980. And as a result, that was 1981, uh, maybe. Um, when that happened, uh, heck, that's like over 40 years ago. So I don't mind telling you, I, I and, and I left out a lot of details, but I, but because of the time, you know, uh, I, I figured I could just uh, go straight to the uh, meeting story.
1: Was that something that was easy for you to talk about afterwards, or was that something that kind of changed your personality, or were you depressed after that? I mean, what was you the... Know,
0: that's an excellent, excellent question, Okay. Reason being is yes, all those things took place. Uh, when you witness something that is so unusual, something that's so terrifying, of course, it changes your whole perspective. You start thinking uh, in other areas, um, in other you know considerations that you've never considered before, and it burdens your belief system as well. Uh, yes, uh, be about several years to actually you know recall that story repeated. In fact, I wrote about it. I I published that story there online. Um, And um, yeah, um, a lot of the details that took place, no doubt I had just simply um, erased it from my memory. I'm sure it's still there. Um, Some of the horrible things that happen in our lives – there's this thing that occurs in our brain, and it actually suppresses um, and when that happens, it it's a defense mechanism, it allows us to continue, you know, our life as normal as it, as it could be. And so it's, uh, it's a repression that actually – so yeah, it's uh, – But over the years I, I've been a little bit has been coming back as I repeat the story, I wrote about it, and other details have come up that I could remember. Uh, Unfortunately, I've had a lot of cases like that, a lot of real cases like that. I've had a lot of my um, trained clergy who are who have been appointed as exorcists in their diocese, um, their jurisdiction. They um, have similar stories. Um, you know, these things are, are really you don't really hear about it too much um, because they're, quite frankly, they're horrifying, and uh, they're very very confidential. People are involved, um, you know, it's like, I'm supposed to say, six out of ten victims can live a normal life. The other four will either commit suicide or be driven to suicide or wind up in institutions. It's kind of sad, huh? I uh, mean, that's, that's reality.
1: Yeah, I, I, it's something that's so traumatic that I can imagine this going through something like that you could really not return to life as it was it's got to change your life uh, indefinitely um what is there because you call them victims i mean are there? Is there something that a person does that allows uh, a demon to to enter their spirit or is it are they why are they chosen or is there some activity that they did or something that they said that made them a uh, target for this um, entity or, or, or were they randomly chosen or how does?
0: I think that um, born in the world makes you a perfect candidate for something like this to happen to you. Um, it makes it more so when you have a curious mind or you're open um, to certain things that you're curious about. And by doing so, uh, you may, um, whether it be uh, intentionally or unintentionally, open doors to the darkness. And then when they come in your space, uh, you may be totally unaware of what you've actually done and what you've actually let, opening the first box, if you will. Um, And then when it's in your space, then you have a problem. Demonic oppression is uh, something that all of us have been touched by at one time or another in our lives. You as well. You may or may not even be aware of it. Uh, demonic oppression is when the dark forces, the demonic, will put plant a seed in your mind, and um, as a result, suggest bad behavior, suggest negative things, and have you go along with it. And of course, you're thinking, you're reasoning to yourself, thinking it's part of your natural uh, development. It's just, it's just something in your personality. And you don't even think about it. You just simply re- react to it. You respond to it immediately. So, I mean, these seems to be anything from um, stealing uh, um, maybe a candy, bar, candy store when you were a kid, or maybe uh, doing something that's not what you would think God would want you to do. Um, just, you know behavior um, maybe I don't know early stages of, of being finding yourself as a people or maybe doing other things like uh, uh, hurting people physically mentally or um, maybe stealing robbing killing mutilating becoming a serious that's an interesting concept uh, if you look at serial killers, I mean, if you look at their eyes, you can see this blank stare. I believe each and every one of them has been a victim and still are a victim of demonic uh, oppression. It's the negative qualities in our personality that seem to surface and become part of our very being. When that happens, they're in a lot of trouble. Um, sometimes, you know, we're, we're taught at an early Early age, you know that um, goddess, He hears us, he hears us, you know, in things in its nature, and that of course is a wonderful support system. But there's also other things out there that you may want to, or you may be tempted to um, to investigate and maybe even subscribe to um, your psychic abilities, enhancing those abilities by using other means, other outside means of dog promise you uh, that your abilities can be enhanced there is uh, so many things that uh, that have been written on the the subject matter and it's it's really uh it's very frightening um in regards to answering your question though i believe once you're born into this world you have you're also born with a target on your back um, because i'm a target because you are god's creation. And one thing that Satan hates with all his very being is the human condition that was actually created in God's image. he do anything he can to rebel against God, and that is destroying God's creation. By demonic oppression can lead a person into, uh, and drive a person into a state of, um, suicide, uh, committing suicide, or, um or ending somebody else's life, you know? And the, the devil himself will not, cannot physically hurt you. The demons cannot hurt you, um, but they will implant things in your mind and they will drive you to either hurt yourself or others. And as a result, we become basically a host to what could be reviewed as the darkness. Hmm. Um it can be very scary stuff when you know it's real real really it is. of course again as i said uh whether you believe it or not well that's material because what is true it's true and
1: there you have it <laughs> um you had mentioned a few of the things that you had witnessed but there and you had mentioned levitation um is it six feet or six inches that the body is supposed to levitate off the
0: i don't think the uh i don't think the demonic powers um supernatural forces have any particular criteria to follow in terms of how many inches oh. of feet i will tell you that um any form and any level of levitation okay if it cannot be explained the odds are there has to be a cause of effect it has to be something happening whether it be an inch off the bed or um up to the ceiling it, it Mm-hmm. at that point. Uh because there's no there's no measure stick to it. You know, the, the forces don't really go with the with the parameters that we might use in terms of measuring such things.
1: I understand. I just I always hear that number. I oh, thought right. maybe there was something to the well, numerology to it or something else. Yeah, um, it,
0: you know, one thing about um, this whole scenario, there are always two sides, uh everything. Okay, uh, and it all boils down to your personal belief system. And so whatever you believe to be so, well, can it can either be true or not. But it's going to be your own perception. No one's going to take you there. You have to take yourself there. That is, you have to open those gates and uh, and start exploring the darkness if you're foolish enough to do that. Um, people who have been called, the divine calling, okay, um, We are obligated to look into these things. We have to look at these things and look at it with a very critical eye. That's how we conduct ourselves. We do things. Um,
1: And these individuals too can speak other languages and you were saying read minds and read your dark secrets and they they have these other uh, abilities like maybe someone can't speak Latin but all of a sudden they can speak Latin or whatever the case may be.
0: Okay. There's a there's a few questions there, so I'm going to give you some answers. Okay. Uh, first of all, number one, no one knows the mind of the demon. No one knows the mind of God. The uh, There are things that are suggested as to what we should know, and there are things that are suggested that uh, what we should reject and deny. Okay. Um, the whole idea that a demon can read your mind is just simply not true. Okay, uh, that would be some kind of response from someone who um, may claim to be an expert in the uh, in, in this field, um, and then of course they come up with their own analogies and they uh, their own perspectives, and 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 they put it out there. But the truth of the matter is, nobody truly knows the mind of the demonic. But um, but because of case past cases, we could um, study the past cases of things that took place. Um, it's believed by many people on my side of the table that the demon knows all about you, based on reads. You have to understand that the demon has knowledge, in-depth knowledge of the human condition from the beginning of time. Remember, demons—they don't die. They live forever. And in our realm of existence, they've been around here from day one. They know all about the human condition. They know about you by just simply profiling you, by reading you. And they could read you like a man. So it may appear to be that they're reading your mind, in reality, they're just simply reading you. Hmm. They're reading you as as a human being. And a person has been subject to kinds of emotions and experiences something that they are very much aware of and become a master of knowledge in these areas okay so uh, so that's like a myth you know that's that's not quite true that uh in your mind because they can't they can read you big difference okay in terms of languages okay individuals that have been uh, and documented as truly possessed by demonic entities um, have been known to uh, talk with different, uh, speak different languages that have never been taught, and uh, things in this means. Um, and what's happening is they're not really speaking these languages, okay? What's happening is that what you're hearing is you're hearing of the personality traits of the demon himself, not the person. The person is, um, he's in the back seat. It's like he's in the backseat seat, of- and he's not the driver. While he's possessed and in that state, the demon is driving the vehicle. The demon is basically in charge of that vehicle because he is operating and being hosted by that vehicle. You, as a thinking individual, you're in backseat and you have nothing to say because he is in complete control. Monic possession is a complete control of an individual's mind and body. And as a result okay he will say and do anything so he could he could um, tell you what you're all about he could tell you uh in different languages he will speak languages he will make um he will he will have the ability to, to transform himself into different images animal I- images serpents, things of this nature it's, it's unbelievable but a person can actually do, because understand, it's not the person; uh, it's the uh, the condition that the person has been uh, is is under, and what this person is suffering from this demonic
1: mm.
0: um, possession that we uh, that we talk.
1: And they seem to have names in in many instances. These are demons that are identified by names, like one was Lilith, which means de- demon of waste. So they have like personality traits, kind of.
0: Names basically come from what the demonic behavior is. What is the demonic behavior? And based on that behavior, it could be translated to the demon of, let's say, lust. The demon of lies. The demon of so on and so on and so on. You know, it's based on what What the actual physical trait is of the demon himself. Now we are told that the names of the angels are written in the scriptures. However, understand that the scriptures have been given to us many thousands of years ago. In that time, the scriptures have been dissected, scriptures have been rearranged. Some Portions of scripture have actually been um, deleted or placed aside. And we have only been allowed to review the scriptures that we have today because this was what the church fathers had led us and shared with us so we could follow. Um, to, in order to follow the narrative of the church, there are certain scriptures that have been taken out. And sometimes taken out of context. So as a result, um, the scriptures itself uh, is not complete. This is where we believe, the spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit can can open your mind and your spiritual mind to things where you could read, and things start formulating in your mind as to what the true meanings are, and the meaning will come. From what you're reading, even though the scriptures may not be complete in whole, it still was inspired by God, and so, um, so we're told, written by 27 men uh, over a period of several thousand years.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But the reality is, is that, is that the word itself is translated and was written by man. And the translation was was given to us by the church fathers. But they took certain portions of the scripture out to meet the narratives of the church. And back then to keep the masses, if you will, in line. So there'll be no murder, stealing, things of this nature. It was embedded uh, into the knowledge of the masses and to keep them in line. So certain things were actually incorporated in the early church which is all quite interesting when you read about church history and unbelievable about some of the church fathers and their behavior um you would not uh, it would be so puzzling to understand how a how god had selected them to actually um, uh, form the foundation of the church Hmm. but um it is what it is
1: (laughs) Is, uh, just to, to understand so order of exorcist is part of cat is independent of the Catholic Church or is it uh, do they there' some partnership there
0: we are we are uh, a traditional Catholic order um, we have what's referred to as apostolic lines of secession that go through Rome through the Church of Rome so the Vatican and the Pope and everyone uh, on the other side of the pond acknowledge our sacraments and they acknowledge them as being valid. And uh, and as a result, we are, part of it, we are part of the Catholic faith. So we are part of the Catholic Church. We are Catholics.
1: Gotcha. And there's also something called uh, the Roman, is it Roman ritual? And there's a number, I might be wrong, is it 11, that talks about exorcisms, right? Is this some kind of secret? Or it's not secret, I guess, but it's not something that's taught to everybody. Yeah. You know,
0: there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff that you will read, okay, that's out there. Uh, and as to whether or not it's part of the whole scheme of God's plan is a mystery. Okay. The power is not from the ritual itself. The power comes from God. The power is not in the words. The power comes from the spirit of God. You notice, in the, in, even in the very early readings of the scriptures, uh, when Christ started his public ministry and started performing miracles, you notice he didn't have a book to read from or a certain words to say. Sometimes he'd say one word or two. I mean, he was the grand of grand uh, in terms of being an exorcist. He was the chief of all chiefs, of course, being the son of God. So he had that, that influence, that power which also which passed down through apostolic secession. We in the church hold very true to the form of apostolic secession and its importance, because what that is basically it's from, it's a direct link to Christ himself. When Christ put his hands on his disciples and told them to make disciples, they turned around and did the same, and it spread on throughout the centuries for thousands of years up to this day and age, okay? The person, the bishop, who, and bishops who placed their hands on me well, when I was a priest, being elevated, okay, um, through the ranks, and especially being um, um, made into a bishop, and elevation to a bishop, bishop, each of those bishops transmitted the spiritual energy, if you will, from their hands that originated from their bishops That originated from their bishops all the way down to 2,000 years ago, where Christ did the same to his to the original disciples. Mm -hmm. So, when I when you say, um, "Are you uh, you know, where's your connection?" Okay, in terms of of being part of being part of the Catholic Church, our only connection is the Apostolic succession. That's the that's the lines that go through Rome. They go through other parts of Europe. In the early churches that's where we have our and that's why our bishops have uh they have their own jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. they have parishes they have their diocese and and they have different ministries from prison ministries to uh which is very rare to ministries of exorcism there's not any of us out there to be just a priest not an exorcist um you don't have the insight, knowledge, or training to be an exorcist. You really you really don't have that power to uh, to, to perform an exorcism, though you could probably do it, as I said, using the power of the Holy Spirit as possible. But, um, but we believe that you should be, uh, after the priesthood, after your formal training, to be a priest, then the real training comes in. That is the on-the-job training with one of your bishops, who is an exorcist, and they will make you their assistant for two to six years. At the end of that time, there's no shortcuts. You can't you can't just uh, go online and order a certificate to be an exorcist, uh, you know, and then call yourself an exorcist. You know, the only true people that know that you're a true exorcist is uh, is two entities. One, of course, is God Himself. He's the victim, who you're probably putting in terrible danger, because you're either fading into the psychosis and they could lead to suicide, or is worse. Oh, there's many things. Suicide. In any case, uh, <laughs> that's the uh, that's that's what it boils down to.
1: Yeah, I think it's just surprising to some people that are Catholic, like I, myself, that the these documents exist that train uh, priests and bishops to be exorcists. You know, because it's not something that's discussed in a in a Sunday mass, for example. I've never heard anything. No, no, no,
0: no, no. In fact, um, as I said, your um, your training to be uh, to receive holy orders, okay, up to that point, okay, is uh, it's about you know being a all the things that you need to know to be a pastor, if you will, parish priest, okay, but not an exorcist. An exorcist is a specialized. Uh, said if you will the vatican has a has a training center um and it's open for all clergy and laity for that matter that they could learn you know what the ritual is all about what exorcism is all about and so on <clears throat> the, the training that we have and we acknowledge that to be is when you are trained by um your mentor who is a bona fide bishop who has um, received holy orders in the very beginning, been elevated to, uh, to bishop-elect, from bishop-elect to bishop, to the bishop, the bishop, the bishop, and so on, and who have the support of their peers in, in those various levels. Okay. And then at that point, to be appointed, that also takes um, a vote among your peers who are all your seniors and mentors. And when they feel that you are ready and capable of going to the, that next level, then you are placed. So it's uh, it gets really complicated, and, and only because we make it complicated. Uh, our 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 whole demeanor about everything is you know it has to make sense to us. Okay, um, the Roman Catholic Church and the and what I call the real hardcore Roman Catholics will tell you are the only Catholics in existence but um, they forget that Pope John Paul II had signed a document stating we, that is the Roman Catholic Church acknowledges and recognizes the other Catholic churches, the Poland National Catholic Church, the Russian Orthodox Church, and it goes on and on all these churches have apostolic secession and as a result we are all part of the one family mm-hmm. but you have you know the old all the old timers i guess i'm an old timer too <laughs> uh you know we uh we've been taught a certain way and when things are revised or the, you know when they change the mass for example you know i mean, up in arms the vatican one vatican two you know i mean up in arms you know within the catholic community the thing is that we we are comfortable with what we know, can, and new things are really hard to adjust to. Sure. So, to uh, if you, go, I don't know if you've been to my website. Yes. If you, you have. Yes, okay. Yes, well, yes. if you go to my website and you can read, um, you know that you know we are part of the early church. We are Catholic, mm-hmm. and we are part of the Catholic faith, the early part of the Catholic faith, and we're referred to as traditional Catholic, the old Roman Catholic. And but uh, that's what we are. Got gotcha. And our power doesn't come from our authority doesn't come from our bishops. Our, our, our power, our authority and power comes from God, and so we stay close to the scriptures.
1: And I think it's uh, interesting too. I mean, what is the is, is there evidence or documentation of exor, um, exorcisms that occurred? And thousand years ago, fifteen hundred years ago, I mean, this is this is not a new phenomenon, and it's also something that different religions have different versions of.
0: That's right. That's right. Even the uh, even the Voodoo uh, belief system has a has a ritual for exorcism. The American Indians have rituals for exorcism. So, of course, you know the uh, Anglican Church, uh, the Baptist Church. I mean, the Protestant churches. You know, um, sure. You know, um, it, it's the Word of God that's that's most important. You know, we as Catholics, we go through, we we follow a ritual, a certain ritual, and uh, and as a result, that's that's how we do it. However, the Protestants, they have the same, uh, they have the same God, the same Jesus Christ, and so and they just have another flavor, if you will, of following. Um, and that's basically what that's about. Um, <laughs> There was another point I wanted to bring up that we mentioned. Uh,
1: yeah, I was just asking about maybe uh, you know ancient documentation. Oh yes, of yes, exorcism. yes.
0: Yes, it is true. It is true that uh, exorcism has been practiced when Christ Himself, you know, performed the first exorcism. Okay, and of course you'll have other religions that will... Uh, pagan religions that will you know challenge you on that, but. Um, but when Christ performed the first actual Christian, if you will, in Christianity that existed, but uh, when he performed the first ritual, um, since that time it's been um, it's been on for quite a few thousand years, a couple thousand years. But there's one thing we have that they didn't have. The early apostles did not have. That is our technology. Um, Christ, in his public ministry, it's said that he's Uh, He only traveled um, about 200 miles, 200 square miles from his place of birth. He never went beyond that. Um, We have the technology that can the masses worldwide. Um, That's why the Order of Exorcists is an international organization with 24 countries. Now, that may sound like a lot of countries, but reality is uh, there's 195 countries. So in in the spectrum in terms of of larger numbers, we're very small, 24 countries. But 24 countries is 24 countries. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, in 18 states. And and plus, you know, we have other clergy that are also expanding in other countries, okay, from within their own jurisdiction, which makes it really special. So... um, yeah, it's it's been interesting. The technology we have now, though, we will never be able to actually perform an exorcism by way of Skype, <laughs> yeah. because that has to be done, you know, face to face. You have to touch the person. You have to, you know, be there physically. Um, but we could do just by everything else. We could do counseling. We could do therapy. We could do lots of things through Skype uh, and and through our technology, Zoom. Whatever. Can,
1: can you talk about just briefly uh, how, so, like, some of the practices that are used during a ritual? I mean, is it reading of certain prayers? Is it holy water? Is it crucifixes? What is,
0: uh, Some of the sacrament used, uh, could be, um, uh, would be blessed salt, holy oil, holy water. Um, the priest wears a stall. it's a purple stall and, uh, have one here to show you anyway uh, the priest has certain certain things that he uh that he wears okay and it identifies him as being a warrior Christ if you will being um a person that has uh the power to do and the authority to do what he's doing mm-hmm. anyway I have it here somewhere I'll probably find it after this interview that's right <laughs> but uh in any case, okay, well, in any case, it's a purple, it's a, it's a garment, it's a it's thin a, garment that's right around around the neck, I okay? I think I've seen something and like that. And that purple stall is very, um, it's very symbolic, it, it, it gives the the priest the uh, the authority to do what he's doing as he reads the word. Of course, Protestants, they don't use the, uh, you know, the, the garments, you know, they don't use the vestments that we use, and, uh, but they do use the cross, which is very powerful. And um, so, um, so, you know, there are different ways, you know, again, all based on your belief system. The bottom line is, is results. If a person is truly possessed as a real demonic possession and um, everything else has been ruled out, and if a priest is involved and performs the ritual, and people around him are also praying in support, then in the power of the Holy Spirit, that person will probably be delivered and um, and will probably be okay. However, you know, as the scripture says, uh, when the demon is uh, is driven out of a person, the demon doesn't die. You know, you can't kill a demon. There are some crazy belief systems out there that says that, you know, you can kill a demon, you know, or I'm demon hunters you know we could kill demons. you can't kill a demon uh reason being is a, a demon's never been alive to begin with how can you kill something that's never been alive um demons okay with they could be driven from one place to another through rituals and the scripture implies that the demon once the demon is driven out of a body the, the demon will go for days in the desert wandering you know just wandering the desert and then think to itself, what am I doing out here? I should go back to my home, which is the host, the who was possessed. Just go back there and uh, and see, uh, you know, and bring other demons, other brethrens with me, and we could uh, occupy my. home. And of course, his home is the person's body that he was possessing. Uh, after the ritual is done there's complete cleansing that goes on within the house itself the body so the demon is forced out the demon can't come back if the demon comes back and the house is in the same order that it that it was left uh, in the very beginning before the first actual possession takes place it can repossess the individual and this time it can bring more demons with it which means more issues. Okay, and sometimes a uh, role can take uh, anywhere from uh, a week to a month to a year to several. It depends as to what the case is 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 revolving uh, and and is involved in. If it's a demonic type of scenario, well then. Um, then, you know, you're dealing with uh, the same situation and you have to continue the ritual in a repetitious fashion. You have the demons identify themselves. And then with that bit of information, you're able to use them, use them and personally their information and use it against them.
1: Hmm.
0: And that's why it's so important for the priest to obtain the name of the demon. And once the demon says its name, you use that name against it. And by doing so, the prayers on top of that can make the whole scenario very victorious, hmm. where the person will be relieved of the spirit.
1: So, you, you said something interesting, though, that maybe people don't know. Is that so? It's not like the demon is destroyed, it's basically just sent back to hell, more or less?
0: Uh, he's pushed in a different direction. Pull- he's no longer. And anyone who tells you that, and he's and he's thrown back into hell, okay, doesn't know what they're talking about. Okay, unfortunately, there's uh, so many people out there. You know, I hate to even use the word charlatan, but I will. Uh, There's so many people out there that present themselves as authorities. Let's talk about this. Okay, number one, where would they get their information, their knowledge from? How do they know where the demon goes? Do they follow the demon to hell? Have they been to hell? Um, you know, I mean, these are like simple questions, you know. Mm. And, and, of course, the answers are, are, you know, they're ridiculous questions. And the answers are quite simple, okay? Uh, unless you, you could tell me that you are some type of a superhuman being followed the demon to hell, right. and, you know, and you basically you know, know exactly what the demon had for lunch, and then you decide to come back and report back to us and tell us about it, well, heck, I think that'd make one heck of a show. But I don't think it's very realistic. Mm. I mean, let's be honest about this. What we have is the scriptures, and what the scriptures tell us, and what the scriptures suggest to us. And that's what we go on. We don't go on this whole, you know, this whole triumph of, of well, you know, um, Legion of demons here, is a legion of angels here. They're going to fight on Fifth Avenue and 22nd Street oh. and they'll be there at two o'clock in the morning. Oh. And believe me, it's gonna be one heck of a battle. And you know what? All that information's nonsense. Okay. <laughs> okay, only thing we can go on is what God has given us in terms of knowledge through his word and 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 through the impressions and visions and messages we receive from his angels. Now, all that is true, and all that has been proven, and recorded in Scripture. Um,
1: I have just a few questions from listeners, if you have a couple more minutes. But first, I just have to ask you, um, what did you think of the movie The Exorcist? Because that kind of brought a lot of spotlight on this whole topic.
0: Um, it really did, topic. didn't it? Uh, yeah. And, you know, interesting. Um, to me, the stage story is more interesting than the movie itself.
1: Because it's the based movie, on it's, a real account, right? It's based on some... It, it is
0: based on real accounts, but a lot of it has been not true to to the accurate facts of what was happening. For example, the uh, girl was a, really a boy. Right. Okay. Right. The gender was, was not, I mean, totally different. Okay. There was lots of changes, okay. Um, and um, the spinning around, the again, exaggerated and all this other stuff. Not saying it, it, it couldn't happen. Anything is possible. But what I find more interesting, I'd say, uh, let me at least for this portion of it, what you see in the movies was just simply entertainment. And yes, it did touch on um, real life of, of, a, of a case that occurred. Uh, and and yes, there was a real exorcism performed, and yes, there was a real demon involved, and yes, it was driven out, and all those other things that, um, they're true, but. Only to a certain percentage. Uh, a large proportion of the movie was really recreated for entertainment value. Now, what's more interesting—real facts of what happened behind the stage? Did you know that Linda Blair, who played the, the little girl, um, she had a fractured back as a result of one of the um, one of these. Um, um, effects, uh, special effects. Uh, she was actually wired in, and if you remember her moving back and forth, you know, uh, while Dean was possessing her and the priest walked in and, and she was going back and forth or, and, and jerking back, and forth. it looked very realistic. What it was, they were using wires at that time and they dislocated or fractured her back, um, something, something to that effect. Um, that happened. Horrible. Uh, there have been a few people on the set behind the cameras that died. Seriously. Uh, over a period of uh, less than a decade after the movie was released, people were dying that were tied into that mysteriously. Mysterious deaths were taking place. Uh, all these things were happening. That is just as interesting as the entertainment version what took place in that exorcism it was the backstage. When you start dealing with, um, with the real horrifying entities of evil when you start dealing with them uh, on, a, on a real-time basis things happen there's a certain amount of uh, um everything has a price okay and you have to be willing to pay that price uh it, over the years i have been attacked i have pictures of bruises of of handprints on my body as a result of just crazy things that would be holy almost hard to believe um i'll share a real quick story with you sure. very quick yeah Um, In my role as the chief exorcist, okay, to the order of exorcist, I would receive reports from the priest and the bishops and the investigators, and they would send me their assessment reports, and I would review them and I would give them my opinion as to whether or not, you know, uh, in my opinion, that uh, a ritual should be done and performed. Uh, of course, this is after I received word from the psychiatrist, you know, in regards to ruling really out all the other things. Okay, so here I am. I'm in my office. This was like only six years ago, by the way. I'm sitting in, in, in my office, and I'm in front of my computer. And I'm viewing an actual assessment, an investigation that was done a month prior to me receiving it. And it was done seas, like in, in the Philippines, okay? Now, understand the nature of the demonic. And I'll get back to the story real quick. Demons live outside our space and time. So they have no restriction in regards to time. They can move from one second to another second, which would be one century to another century in our time. Because they're not subject to the regular time, you know, and space scenario that we are, you know, presently um, existed, mm-hmm. they could move back and forth. Now keeping that in mind, I'll go back to the story. I'm in front of my computer looking at an investigation that has taken place a month ago. I'm looking at it and I see the investig- lead investigator interviewing the victim. So I'm watching the interview and I'm listening and, and what I do is I intensely look for other things happening within the frame, such as any type of, of manifestation of uh, something that cannot be explained, something moving, something you know, something that's really unusual. So I'm looking for that as well. So I'm looking in, in the screen, in, in my monitor, and so I'm looking at it and uh, all of a sudden, I see this fuzz. It's a little black fuzz. It starts from the left side and it travels from left to right very slowly. And so it was a little bit of a distraction at first, but I figured, well, you know, obviously it was the uh, maybe the camera or the lens of the camera or something. But then I saw the fuzz again. and travel from right to left, very slowly. And so I'm looking at it again a second time, but I'm still focusing on on what the assessment all about, the investigation. Also, the fuzz ball goes again from left to right, very slowly. So I'm looking at it again, and I'm going, what the heck is that? So I, I come. I, I looked closer to the screen. I was like, I put my face like maybe three inches from the screen, trying to figure out what the heck that thing was. A little fuzzball going from the right side of the screen to the left side of the screen. Now this time it went very slowly and stopped in the center of the screen. So I said, "Whoa, now that's interesting." And as I did, the the little fuzzball started to expand in its size and as i'm looking at it all of a sudden i felt this surge of energy coming from my computer it threw me backwards about six feet uh i'm my chair has wheels so i'm like it literally threw me out you know forcing my my chair with myself like six feet and i looked at it and i felt the stinging sensation it was a handprint by the way on my on my chest uh you can believe this or not, it's just a fact. I came to the conclusion that what had took place was the actual demon that was in the room a month ago our, in, in our frame of time. However, in the out of space scenario, out of space uh, time in terms of its relevancy came out of one second into my presence. And so what I was watching was the actual demon that was captured a month ago. And I was watching its actions here and now in real time. Wow. And because it was a further distraction, it wanted me to be totally terrified of a whole scenario. And dropped, you know, what I was doing, which I did It just made me more curious.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, You know, I mean, you know, it's like, really? You know, you really think this is going to do it? Um, Anyway, it's a true story. Whether anyone believes it or not, it's fine. But I happen to have the the photographs, which I posted on Facebook, by the way. You know, I have six forums on Facebook. And the six forums I have uh, every once in a while I'll share with, you know, with our audience and with our members. Uh, certain cases, certain facts that have come up. And then I have um, my clergy that are from around the world. They also are members in my forums, and they would also share their cases. So, you know, we have this thing going on, and which is outstanding. But, um, but anyway, getting back to the story, yeah, that was a, a real story, and uh, these
1: things do happen. So that's people, if they want to see that, that image they can go to your facebook page and see that and um what i mean or what one is, of my forums you know yeah what is the what is really forcing out this uh evil uh, entity is it light is it good is it is it um i mean w- but when you're doing these rituals is it, is it just the power of christ is it it what is that what is the what is the power that's that's causing these entities to retreat the divine power
0: divine power is from christ yeah. um Christ is uh, is the ultimate power, and, and as a result, they, with that power, it's you can't be defeated. You know, of course, you have to make sure that, you know, that you're being used as a proper vessel, and that you are committed to what you're doing, and you are called to do what you do, and if you are, and all of those things are in play, then understand, supernatural powers um, will always take place, and will take place within people, and will also be, um, they will also empower clergy and true believers to do incredible things. Things that could only be explained as falling under the supernatural heading. So these things happen all the time. Your people will tell you, and I'm one of those people, I've had in my all my years, I've had at least three encounters. I say at least because it may have been more. I've had at least three encounters with angels. And in one case, saved my life as a result. And I know that they exist. I've uh, interacted with them. Um, People that may not believe in angels, um, no doubt they've never interacted with them. If they have, they would know beyond a shadow of doubt that what I'm saying is so. Mm. It's absolutely true. Angels do exist. They're all around us. And unfortunately, so is evil and all the other things uh, that, that bring with it. There too, there also around.
1: How many case uh, requests would you say you get on a given day? And, you know, we're living in strange times now. Are you seeing an increase in the number of cases that you're receiving? Do you think there's anything um, sort of ominous about the, our current, uh, you know, the, the time that we're living in? A lot of strange, uh, you know, with the virus and, you know, a lot of uh, uncertainty in, in the world. I mean, are, are you seeing an increase in cases?
0: I've, I've answered this question many of times, and it's true, what I'm about to tell you. Uh, some people may not believe this or may not uh, go along with what I'm about to say, but it's absolutely true, at least it's my view, my opinion. Okay, um, from the beginning of time, since evil has, has showed its ugly face uh, and, and appeared in the world from thousands of years ago to the present time, Um, evil has never increased or decreased. Evil has always existed in terms of the same magnitude as it did thousands and thousands of years ago. Um, The cases of uh, people having demonic involvement, from infestation, demonic oppression, demonic possession, all these things, all these people, the numbers are identical to what would take place in the very beginning of time. Hmm. The only thing that has changed is our reporting mechanism. We have the internet. We have our technology. We're able to see real numbers around the world. So we could actually put numbers and say, oh, yes, the cases are increasing. The reality is it's our reporting system that has given us the capability of actually seeing them for the very first time in great numbers. Um, Everything that's happening in the world um, the uh, pandemic, you know, um, we've had others in the past, you know, in 1920s and, and, yeah. and 1800s and so on. We've all gone through this before, maybe not in our lifetime, but mm-hmm. in other lifetimes, people have. Okay, um, this rioting that's going on, this hate thing Civil that's illness. going on, yeah. that's been around from the beginning of time. Look at Nazi Germany. Okay, things like that has been happening from the beginning of the numbers are the same. Are the cases increasing? Again, like I said, many people may disagree with me, but I'm just simply saying my inner belief system is that the cases have not increased. They're the same. It's our reporting system that has increased in terms of giving us in-depth knowledge of what is actually going on around us. And that's,
1: that makes that's sense. the way I believe. Um, I just, again, if you have a couple minutes, just a few handful of questions from listeners. Um one is kind of just kind of what we're discussing, but on a, a can you average like how many requests you get on a given day uh, for someone who thinks they might know someone who's possessed and sometimes. Some, uh, uh,
0: I'll, I'll tell you, um, uh, one request comes in every fifteen minutes. Wow! Uh, in one jurisdiction, in another jurisdiction, one request may come in once every two hours. It just depends on the amount of population and what that population is exposed to and what culture that population happens to be in. There's a whole lot of different factors involved. In third world countries, okay, these things are happening like every couple of minutes. That is demonic involvement. Um, And as a result, um, that's happening and that's real. Those are real numbers. We have technology. We have our, you know, technology. We can actually go on and do an internet search and actually see these things happening in Africa and in Asia and, you know, in India. You know, they're all happening all over the world. In the United States, okay, I will say um, once every 15 minutes is very reasonable to say. Doesn't mean that it's actually a true demonic involvement. It could be a number of things. It could be a person who wants to prank us, a person who has um, has a has divinity a of um, wanting to have all the attention they can they can muster up from an organization such as ours. It could be a psychosis. It could be, um, it could be real. It could be a real scenario. Yeah. There's so many different things. That's why an assessment has to be made, an uh, actual real assessment, not just um, somebody calling you and saying, I am possessed by a demon. You have to come over and give me an exorcism. You know what? The reality is, and this is what my thinking is, would a demon knowingly want to make itself known and say, hello, uh, Mr. (laughs) Exorcist, uh, can you please drive me out of this body because I I really want to go now? (laughs) Is that the personality of a demonic entity wants to stay in that body and tear it down? Piece by piece within itself right. to a point where that person will either commit suicide or do something that's just so hideous that that and and self-destructive. That's what the whole purpose of me of the demon. He doesn't want to be driven out. Why would he want the the host of the body to call an exorcist right. and say, you know, come on over, and, you know, it's time to come out of this body? No, it's it's just not a real scenario. In most cases, it would be a relative right. of the person who's. Possessed. It'd be a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, a wife, a daughter. One of those would contact us and we would come over and we would do the evaluation on the person who is supposedly have symptoms of demonic possession. And understand there's a lot of mental illness that mimics possession. And who's to say the one and, and the other are not one? Because understand going on the old premise, okay. Um, where the cause of effect goes into play, okay? How does a person become mentally ill to begin with, okay? If it was Earth, how the heck did that happen? And who's to say it's not demonic? And who's because of the blockage of the chemical, um, the chemicals that are in the brain, have maybe they have been disrupted by some outside force, such as demonic entities. Who's to say that hasn't happened as a result? That person will just simply grow in body and mind, would be totally, um, um, unfortunately, imbalanced and, and demonstrate these symptoms. So who's really to say? That's why I have welcomed, in fact, for the past four decades, I've welcomed medical people in our organization. I've, I've welcomed medical doctors, psychologists. I've welcome and I've had members who are part of the police forces. had a captain who is in the police department in Mississippi. Um, His name's Mel. If you're listening, Mel, hi there. (laughs) Uh, Mel is the captain of the police department in Mississippi. He has four deputies who are on his team of investigators. Okay. They are there in place. They are the authority, not so much for just the law enforcement, but also they're open-minded enough to know that certain things can't be explained. And as a result, the true assessment has to be made. So I welcome professionals in, in other, you know, disciplines that, that, that want to join this battle. And and again, I, you know, I hate to plug this, but if you go to my website, which is um you will see a link there that will say um, uh, referral list. It will say... Uh, demonic investigations they you click on that thing that that little link there and it'll take you to a page where we have uh, actual practitioners actual uh priests bishops uh investing um practitioners help practitioners that have decided to volunteer their time they have, and they have their phone numbers their email address where they can be contacted some have, have websites and if they go to that list, they could, uh, they could see just published that by the way, about two days ago at, at referral list. So it's a pretty new thing. Um, I have like 105 participants now, but I'm going to have a second portion um, which I'm hoping to get another hundred and then I'll get a third for another hundred. And as I keep bringing this out and putting it out there, hopefully more clergy and investigators may want to be listed. It's free listing everything is free nothing costs anything all the rituals that i've performed over the years have been free haven't cost a penny not one cent um and so you know i, I used to have people that would say wow well, your file is actually making money you know uh you know and doing all these exorcisms no uh, everything is free you go to my website it will say plainly free service everything's free all the people that are listed and if you're a, a full in that category and you want to be listed in our directory and you're, you know, a clergy or investigator or doctor, you just have to send your information to me and I will put it in the directory and it's free.
1: That's great. If someone feels like they have, uh, a, a, you know, someone who, who might be suffering from something like this, so they, you would recommend them go to that resource first and contact an individual? Yes. Okay. Before filing. They
0: contact in. them directly. Yeah. Yeah, they'll contact them directly. Okay, no middleman. Okay. And then um and then at that point and if they can't find somebody in that city, um, I hope they understand that I'm doing my best to recruit people and offering the service free that they be listed so they could be called on. So if they could just be patient or they could go on Facebook, as I said, I have seven forums, just look up my name and you'll you'll find forums all over the place. Okay, and they could go on one of the forums and they could make their request on uh, by posting it on Facebook, in one of my forums.
1: Excellent. Yeah. Um, just, just as we're wrapping up here, uh, a few more listener questions, if you don't mind. Uh, is it possible for someone performing an exorcism to become possessed? Someone, yes. it is. Some, it's possible for someone performing yes. the ritual. Yeah.
0: Yes. Very. That's why the person that the, the priest that performs a ritual. Um, it's a policy, and it, this is a this is a general practice that's acceptable practice. The priest has to prepare themselves. They have to fast for three days, fast for three days. They have to pray for three days. They have to meditate for three days. They have to build themselves uh, completely in, in, in terms of having that spiritual armor. They have to confess their sins. They have to make sure that they are as holy as they could possibly be. Before they actually see the person that is um, experiencing these symptoms of possession, they have to prepare themselves. If they don't prepare themselves, if there's a, a weak link within their own armor, okay, then the odds are that they're not ready to perform a ritual. And if they try it, it could backfire on them, and yes, they could become possessed.
1: Wow. Um, has anyone died from an exorcism? Someone yes. who was possessed? Yeah. The actual, oh yeah,
0: yeah, yep, yep, yep.
1: Uh, during the has anyone
0: or? you know the better question is has anyone ever died from daywalking? I'm going to say yeah. I, I don't know exactly by, them by name, but I could say it's a pretty good possibility that there have been some people that have died from daywalking. Um, I'm going to say also. I'm going to go really out in the limb. I'm going to say if they jump off a 20 story building and landed on their head, okay, head first, women say they probably died. It's just don't know their name, but I happen to know it's a fact. It's just as silly as that. Do people die from exorcism? Yes. How about the people that are there as, as, let's say, the person reading the responses or just an investigator who's in the room? Yes, they have been harmed, and yes, some of them have died. Um, Why is that? Well, if we look at the the whole, and I don't mean to sound, you know, sarcastic, but I'm just simply saying that this is a real battle. Whether you believe it or not, people get hurt, people get killed. But most of all, people are saved. And that's why we're in this whole scenario. Not to build up our name, not to get rich, not to charge people for something that God has given us because we're... The actual vessels of God, and if we decide to charge somebody to perform one of these rituals, then gosh, you talk about it being blasphemous. God's given us this to us freely, and it's our duty to give it back by trying to heal as many people as we can.
1: Um, and I'm sorry, just because you said that very passionately, I, I was just curious, I mean, is it is the number of people that have passed uh, away from possession? Is it a high number of the cases that are actually, because you're, you're making it uh, the way that I'm just interpreting what you're saying is that, you know, that if you're jaywalking, yes, of course, you, you're you going to get hit by a car. I mean, is it so if you're possessed, is there a high percentage that you could die? I use
0: that analogy for a reason. Um, reason being is that In the city you live in, there is a number of people that will die today by just simply jaywalking. Nobody knows the exact amount of people, but we know for sure that, you know, based on the population of the city, probably someone will get killed by just simply walking between cars and and being hit by a car. Okay? Um, I use that analogy because it does fit the same difference in regards to how many by, by using an exorcism, say, within a year Really hard to say. Um, sometimes it could be really high. Sometimes could be very low. It depends a lot on the population of the city, what where they are, what culture they happen to be uh, in, and what type of religious thing that they subscribe to, what their inner belief systems might be. There's a number of factors that, that are involved here. So it's really hard to answer that question. The person that says that they know the answer to that question, I question them.
1: <laughs> I understand. And, uh, just lastly, what, this is a question from a listener. What is the most disturbing thing that you've seen?
0: Okay. Without the, um, without being too graphic, um, probably the consumption of, um, animals, um, who have been influenced by the demonic, um, that's pretty heinous, especially if you're an animal lover.
1: You mean consumption, like eating a, a live animal? Okay, just just trying to understand.
0: Um, and of course, again, you know, it, it depends. Again, and this is interesting it depends on on what you consider really gross and disgusting. Sure. To what is so outrageous? I mean, I can tell you outrageous things. Um, you know, from people putting. Their hands in a dish in a garbage disposal, and and just driving it in there up to the elbow, and afterwards uh, realizing um, and not even realizing what what they've actually done until actual the ritual is over, and uh, and they're without an arm. They may be, you know, from the demonic entity, but the residuals was the loss of a limb that could be pretty uh, devastating to an individual. Sure. Especially when uh, somebody might ask, "Well, how is that possible?" Well, they're not always held down. This is why we try to hold the victims down. Some of them break loose. Some of them will go places. Okay. Some of them you got to run after, (laughs) or they're running after you. (laughs) You Just depends on the situation. It um, so it's really it's really quite interesting.
1: And uh, so, I mean, do you think every day it's a battle versus good – you know, good versus evil, but how is the, the progress in that fight? I mean, is is, uh, is good hopefully winning? is our. our
0: well, um, let's see. If I had to keep score, I would tell you that I um, haven't really counted. <laughs> but I will say this. I will say that I like to think that the majority of us that are on the front lines – are there because we're called to be there, and we're there because we're there to help anyone who needs help. And we will be there in their defense, and where nobody else would be willing to do. We will be be all the people that will be there, regardless of what the numbers are. And um, I can honestly say that.
1: Is there anything that uh, you think we missed or we didn't talk about that you? Think we should have hit on that we should have discussed. Um, oh, this one, okay, <laughs> but, it
0: would, but it would take uh, it would take, take 40 yeah, years yeah, to look yeah. through that because, as I said, you know, I've been doing this for over 40 years, I know, so yeah, it, it would probably take you, you know,
1: <laughs> you can't do it in two hours. I know
0: it, it's there's no way you could do it in, in three years. Yeah. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. <laughs>
1: Um, is there what, what so you had mentioned? The website, uh, the social media pages. I mean, what resources, and you know, besides maybe the Bible, should people really start looking towards if they want to know more, or if they could do more, if they could help, if they want to be? You had mentioned uh, the forums to be an investigator. You
0: know, these days it's really hard to say. That. You're actually refer someone to a uh, a worthy source. Reason being is there's so many counterfeiters. Yeah. And uh, and those counterfeiters they like to be out there so they could either take advantage of an individual's finances or take advantage uh, in some other heinous way. So hard. I I've, I've, I've had requests over the years. Technically I'm retired by the way.
1: Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm nice. I'm I'm 67 years old. Okay, so I'm not a young guy anymore. And I was almost killed a few years ago as a result of a ritual, wow. and uh, I almost lost my life uh, in the hospital for 30 days, uh, three procedures, uh, and um, it's one hell of a story. But that's for another time, I suppose.
1: Oh no, I would um, love to hear that story if you if you have a few. Yeah, that, because that's, that's, that's who, but
0: yeah. It's what it's, what, it's, what, uh,
1: uh, what happened to you? What happened to you?
0: Okay. I'll, I'll try to summarize it real, real quick. Yeah. I was doing a ritual, okay, and, um, in Southern California where I'm based. And, um, and uh, in the middle of a ritual, I was actually struck three times on the left side, my left rib cage. It felt like a two-by-four, full swing, three full swings. It was done by an invisible entity, and the two-by-four was also invisible. The house, the room itself was filled with people. I was doing a ritual and there was must have been twelve people there. And they saw me my body react as it was being struck. My body was pushed aside as it kept being struck. I continued, I mean my eyes were watered, I was could hardly breathe. I was like captain for air, but I went through the ritual and I was able to complete it at a cost. The cost was almost the ultimate cost would have been my life. Mm-hmm um from there i left the house along with all my members and um and on the way home i was like uh had a hard time breathing um i contacted my family physician he said um i need to have a set of chest x-rays which i did the following day uh meantime uh just I, don't know, I couldn't i couldn't breathe i couldn't suck enough air to, to be comfortable as a result um they read the X-ray, and my um, doctor called me and, and said, um, "You need to get to the hospital immediately. You need to be admitted quickly." So I, I did. Followed his uh, his uh, instructions, and um, I went in there. They admitted me immediately. They prepped me for surgery. Um, apparently, what they found was a sack of blood, and the sack was wrapped around my heart, and the entry point or a point of, of impact was where those two by fours were hitting me on the side um it developed a two liter two liters of blood in the sac wrapped around my heart which making my heart my lungs everything it, uh, it was restricting me from making a full uh, inhaling and exhaling and as a result um it was a major problem um I went through three procedures. I was in intensive care for three weeks, and then a recovery for another week. So I was in uh, this was uh, San Antonio Hospital in Upland, California, um, four or five years ago. Um, that was my that was my awakening moment. You know, where I said, you know, it's I'm not I'm not as young as I used to be, nor as strong um, to just. Today the doctors have not a clue as to how I succumb to that condition. They just can't explain it. And so what they were doing was they were throwing different types of medication uh, at me uh, try to like a process of uh, elimination see, you know, how I respond to this, how I respond to that. Um, To make a long story short, and believe me, it's a long story. I wind up, and I'm not exaggerating, about 60 different types of medications I was taking a day, a day, and then after being discharged, I had to agree that I would continue to take these medications for the next six months. I did. As a result, when you put something foreign in your body, such as medicine, okay, it affects your metabolism. It alters your chemical, your your body chemistry, where it leaves what we refer to as side effects. Okay, everything that you take, there's a side effect, because it's a foreign matter that goes into your system. Um, With me, it was my hearing. My hearing and the ringing in my ear became so loud, and my hearing started to diminish. And as it was lessening, I could feel the sensitivity of my ears, and as a result, I lost a good portion of my hearing. This was the price I had to pay for that exorcism I did, the last one I did. That is the price. Everything that we do in life, there's a price that has to be paid. If you want to go the extra, you want to pay the price. This was my price. My price was losing my hearing. I have severe back problems and shots in my back oh, every few months because I'm in so much agony as a result. This was all the residual of that exorcism. And um, thank God I'm in fairly good health. I have high blood pressure, my back, is, of course, is a chronic back ache. I can barely walk. I have, it hurts me when I walk in the morning and in the evening. And my hearing is just about Um, and of critics. i say to you, i say to me when they hear that I'm retired, they say, well, wait a minute, how can you say you're retired? You've been called by God to do this. And And you should, you know. And then he used examples. You know, there's the uh, the chief executive in the Vatican. He did it all up to the time of his death, and he was 80 something. Yes, that's that could be the case. But all I know is that I could barely walk. I'm in constant pain. I can't do this. Even in my retirement, I work four hours a day answering emails. I interact with my forums on Facebook. I am doing counseling. Every once in a while, with one of my bishops or priests that come to me for advice, and as a result, I'm still working. <laughs>
1: yeah. it,
0: it's it's down from uh, 160 hours a week to four hours a day. So that's what I'm doing, and so my critics will always be. You always have you know uh, critics out there and, and and trolls of as they're as they're called. Um, but that's okay. Um and then of course even as I'm talking to you I got to, at least half a dozen messages from people asking you for advice. So yeah. it's like <laughs> are yeah. you just,
1: are you just are you seeing people step up to the plate uh younger uh priests and and bishops and that want to train with you or to learn what you are you know have to teach are there are there people stepping up to to kind of fill the gap of people that are uh, conducting these rituals?
0: I see a lot of wannabes, and I see a lot of people that want the, um, if there is such a stage, I don't know, they want the fame, you know, the attention. Um, I see people that are thinking that they're going to make um, money and and charging people, and they have other motives, and uh, they're not truly called by God, um, in my view. Especially if they fall in those categories. I I see a lot of those people more than anything else. Um, I see for every, I'm just, this is just a number I'm throwing out there, for every 50 people that express an interest in this kind of ministry, maybe three, maybe five, are truly been called by God. And a person who's called by God to do this ministry can actually tell you the story, how their supernatural vision had taken place. As I shared with you when I was a child, this is, uh, if they can't tell you a story as to what actually took place that called them into the ministry and that it was from a divine nature, the odds are they haven't been called. And so, and I'm not to judge, I'm just simply saying that in my point of view, and you asked me, and so I'm just telling you my opinion, um, maybe five out of, I don't know, 20, and 50, I don't know, uh, not many many.
1: So there's still a, a, a need for for more uh, legitimate, uh, genuine uh, people to to do this job for sure.
0: The operative word is legitimate.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. And the legitimacy comes from the divine calling.
1: Um. Archbishop, file and write. Is there anything you want to leave us with? As we're, you know.
0: Um. I would love for everyone to pay attention. What's going on around? them. Um, you have to be blind to see that there's not evil, literally running the streets right now. Um, people are being hurt. People are being murdered. This is happening now. This is not, you know, uh, I'm of old. This is like, this is like a, a precursor to the end of the world, almost. It would seem. Um, I would just simply say to everyone to. Pay attention to what's going on, and make sure you have a good relationship with your maker.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, very interesting and and moving to speak with you and to hear your stories. And uh, I, I can't thank you enough. I know you're 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 getting constant messages for people seeking help. So I know you got to go and talk to some of the folks that are reaching out to you. But uh, thank you again for taking the time to talk with with me. All you right. Bet.
0: Peace out, Transmodians.